This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning to one and all, and a happy Easter as, uh, well, let me describe what's going on here. Um, We went to sign on our little monitor here in the studio. Charlie usually arranges all the equipment and so forth. It's just wonderful. And then she tried to touch the keyboard, and it wouldn't work. Whoops, wrong keyboard. Yes, indeed. We saw another keyboard uh, to my right. And we're working. And we're working. We're We're okay. All right. We're We're, we're safe. Uh, Safe. And, hey, hi, good morning. (laughs) It is the Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Got a big wave there from Sebastian. That's great. He is manning the phones. And uh, we're expecting your call at one of the two numbers here in Toronto, 416-360-0740. You know, I see folks are calling in already. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Charlie will be with us just in a moment here. I'm here. You're there. (laughs) Well, there you are. Just because I've been busy running around, you know, dusting. Doing your technical (laughs) things. Yeah, yeah. I'm Frank Proctor, by the way, the sous chef of the garden. And we indeed welcome you. If you're a first-time caller, let the aforementioned uh, Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I get too much information. I know. And I'll give you the little bell when you get to the air. And, of course, our little mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. Or Patrolman Proctor pulls you over and, and you know. get a ticket. And yeah. it's so embarrassing. Oh, I know, oh, I know. You don't have that. Let that happen to you. Yeah, exactly. Okie doke. Well, Charlie... As is my want. Yes. As you like or to say. Won't. Yeah. Won't. Won't. <laughs> is it a won't or a won't? Won't. I think it's a won't. Oh, yes. Okay. It's my won't. <laughs> I'm going to have some announcements. All right. Some things going on. Uh, one quick thing. If you missed mm-hmm. the TV show, remember I told you I yeah, did that yeah. on, through WNED? 430 today. 4.30 today. Yes. So check your local listings for your WNED or PBS station at 4.30 today. Catch me on a TV show called Garden Wisdom. And she'll be there, and you'll see the red carpet that they rolled out for her <laughs> to walk into her backyard. It's <clears throat> yes. really quite, and they were genuflecting as they were Pretty much. Yeah, it was no. quite appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just hearing about narcissists on the way down here, and wow. I thought, wow, you know, they're describing a narcissist. I'm going, hmm, Speaking I kind of... fertilizer, I'm getting started early. Yeah, <laughs> I think I recognize those yeah. attributes. Okay, a couple of announcements. Tomorrow, the Greater Toronto Bulb Society is hosting the first meeting of the year at the Cummer Park Community Centre, which is at 6000 Leslie Street in Toronto, 1.30 p.m., the topic is really cool plants, and that's presented by Jeff Mason, and Jeff Mason definitely knows a lot about cool plants, and particularly really cool plants. The topic includes a collection of favorites from Garden and Greenhouse. Uh, Jeff will also have plants for sale, so feast your eyes on the March Flower Show. Everyone is welcome to attend. 
Scarborough City Saturday and Green Fair, Saturday, April the 2nd, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Blessed Cardinal Newman High School, 100 Brimley Road South, just south of Kingston Road. There's an annual seed exchange, heirloom seed vendors, gardening booths and advice, environmental organizations, green living ideas, and great workshops on growing and living sustainably. Over 40 exhibitors and many workshops. Sounds super cool, actually. If you're anywhere near there on Saturday, April 2nd, I would definitely check it out. If you would wish to send an email for more information, Saturday, one word, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And that's Scarborough just without the G-H. So just S-C-A-R-B-O-R-O, CD Saturday. So speaking of CD things, on Saturday, April the 9th, which will be a week after this one, I'll be at the Richmond Hill Public Library in honor of Earth Day, and I'm presenting Gardening in a Changing Climate. And afterwards, we're going to hear about an amazing new initiative that is happening at the library. They are starting a seed lending program. Lending? Yeah. Well, how do you bring the that's <laughs> bring what it I, back? That's what I thought. I thought, that's a really odd sort of a thing. But you know what it is? You go to the library in the spring. Yeah. You take out some seeds. Okay. You take them home. You plant them. And they're typically, well, they could be flowers, could be vegetables. You grow them. Oh. And at the end of the season, you collect some seeds. And then you take them back. And you take the, them I on. get you. I know. How good is that? Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's a brand new initiative at, through the Richmond Hill Public Library. So it is being run by a student, and she'll be presenting how this is going to work. And I'll be doing a whole presentation on I, the I wonder what the penalties time. are if you don't return your seeds. You Apparently, know? for some, it is a bit tough. It it is uh, for some yeah. people a bit tough to actually bring the seeds back. But either way, they do have a bit of a budget to buy more at the end of the day. Um, uh, speaking of changing climate, uh, how were you? Were you skating around on the ice this past week? Uh, yeah, for a certain uh, bit of time. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, I was up visiting uh, Shirley up uh, in, around the Aurora area. Right, where there was boy, oh boy. a lot more than down here. A lot of ice. But I'll tell you, she's got a beautiful big white birch. You've mm-hmm. seen it just in front of uh, the, the cabin, as it were. And uh, it, it was it was like a Swarovski crystal yeah, with encased. all the ice. And it was absolutely beautiful. Well, I'll, yeah, there's no question. There's a lot more ice. As mm-hmm. you get away from the lake, because I'm Richmond Hill and then Shirley's yeah. north of there, uh, yeah, we had still very shiny and, and uh, sparkly this morning because it's completely blue sky at my And house. I wonder if there are a lot of people still without power. There are. There yeah. are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm lucky where I am because we've got underground well, lines. She had a generator that <clears throat> she had to use and still, still in use. Cranking away yeah. on the generator. Yep, hmm. yep. Well, it's cute. The, the ice... Um, you know, it's everywhere except mm-hmm. it's melted on a lot of the hard surfaces. But yesterday, uh, my, my little homeless cat who lives in my back garden, he was out doing walkabouts. And he was – you should have seen him on – walked, stepped out onto the lawn. <laughs> he almost like all four Splayed. legs just about <laughs> in all directions because it was so slippery. But no, he's very cool. He would never do anything that – you know, cat, he's way – cats just don't humiliate themselves like that. But yeah, very, very cute. And clearly it was it was skating weather for, for all the animals. Animals and the birds and everybody. Right. All right. Okay. Uh, that, uh, That'll wrap up my for now. Okay. And I'm, I'm sure that Jackie, Violet, Jerry, and Nancy, who are already on the line, are happy to hear that because we're going to come back to your calls momentarily. All right? All right. And good I do enough. have an email that I want to follow up on, too, at some point. Okay. Very good. All we right. will uh, tack that into all the rest of the goodies you hear on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies. 
bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. The perfect radio to have in the background is you color Easter eggs, maybe. <laughs> you never know. Never know. Well, Jackie in Etobicoke, welcome to the show. Yes, good morning and happy Easter. Thank, Thank you. you. My vegetable garden has not been worked for the past two years. It's now covered with moss, M-O-S-S, mm. and I'm wondering how to get rid of it. So, like the really low-growing green sort of fuzzy moss. That's right. Okay, so tell me something. Is that garden, how many hours of sun do you think that garden receives? Oh, it would get good uh, six to eight hours. So, okay, that's a bit unusual that so much moss would be growing in such a sunny location. Is it a, is it a fairly moist spot in your garden? Is it always got sort of drainage in a low area? Uh, well, it's sandy soil here oh. in, in Etobicoke. All right, so then my only other suggestion would be the pH of the soil. Did you want to use, did you want to plant some vegetables this summer? Spring? Yes, I would like to. Excellent idea. So what I would do is <clears throat> go to your local garden center, so there's probably a Sheridan Nurseries or somebody like that near you. Yes. Get a hold of a soil testing kit uh-huh. uh, or a minimum of a pH testing kit. Uh-huh. And while you're there shopping, on principle, pick up a bag of horticultural lime. Oh. Okay? Because uh-huh. I think what's going on once you test your soil, you'll find that the pH is going to be well below zero, well below neutral. And neutral, of course, is seven. Your pH is probably down around the six point something. And you need it higher than that. Oh, yeah. And that's why the moss is growing. Because moss, moss grows in certain conditions. Typically moist, shady, low pH. Oh. And if you've got lots of sun and sandy soil, I'm going to suspect that the pH is what's causing that moss to grow. Oh. So, so you're going to buy, check the soil, check the pH. If it is coming up, you know, mm-hmm. fairly acidic, follow the instructions because there will be instructions in the little test kit. Oh. And you'll sprinkle the horticultural lime. You'll do some mixing in. You're probably going to want to add some organic material, like maybe some composted manure, and then you'll be good to go to plant. So if I just sprinkle it over top, I won't have to dig any of that out? I wouldn't, but, but again, check first check the pH uh-huh. and see what it says. If for some reason it, what I've suggested doesn't make any sense at all, then give us a call again next week and we'll, we'll go further into this. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. All righty. The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio, broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Uh, hey, we're going to go south of the border here. Uh, let's find out from Jerry where Gasport, New York is. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Frank, Charlie. Good yeah, morning. Where, whereabouts is Gasport, New York? That's uh, between Lockport and Rochester, New York. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Already along the Erie Canal. Welcome to the show. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, hey. well, wait a minute. Double welcome. Very, yes. <laughs> you get wings. <laughs> Thanks for the bill. <laughs> uh, my question is, I wanted to build a raised garden bed mm-hmm. on top of my existing garden. Excellent idea. Uh, what should I do? What do you plan to plant in the raised garden? Oh, just your standard um, tomatoes, peppers, you know, maybe some flowers in there. So, and you're wanting to raise it up because the quality of your soil is not great, or just to make uh, it just, more, uh, bending over, yeah, more accessible. So, it, 
if you were plant, if you were building a garden, uh, like a raised bed on top of very poor soil or asphalt or something like that, we would build our our crib, if you will. Typically, we'll use uh, often raised beds are built with wooden timbers, and of course, you're going to avoid any kind of uh, creosote soaked timbers or any uh, even the. Um, Help me, what's it called? Pressure. Uh, pressure treated, exactly. Yeah. You're going to avoid pressure treated. You're just going to want to use preferably cedar okay. if you can get a hold of cedar rails oh. uh, because they are the slowest to decompose. And you're going to build your crib. And, of course, the height is going to depend on what works for you. Most people want to go at least 16, 24 inches high. Yeah, that's but a good height. you can certainly go higher. You don't want to go any wider than four feet wide because that way you can reach in from both sides without having to climb up inside and go whatever length you want. Yeah, knee marks in your bed there is not good. No, no. well, and the best thing about raised beds is that you don't have to walk in them, so you end up with great soil. I mean, mm-hmm. it just never gets compacted by people walking on it. Um, if so, so once you've built your crib... The two options. One is to just go straight into the crib with good quality planting mix, like a triple mix. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. The other would be to lay in the bottom first some landscape fabric. Okay. And that would be just to keep anything from growing from below. So if you have some things that you don't want to see in your raised bed that are currently in that bed, that would be the best way to block them out. past weeds and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, or tree roots that might, you know, start climbing up in there. And the landscape fabric will allow moisture through but it won't allow things to grow up. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Good thank luck you. with that. Yeah. That's a great idea. All right, have a Send good pictures. Don't you be too. a stranger, okay? <laughs> thank you very much, Jerry, from Gasport, New mm. York. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, not only uh, a fan of gardening out there in Whitby, but uh, a lady that... At, uh, is the owner of a, a wonderful flower, a name. a name. Violet. Violet. Violet, welcome to the show. <laughs> Good morning, <Hi>. Violet. <clears throat> First time uh, Oh, nice. here we are. Well, all right. Welcome. Thank you. I have a question about hydroponics. Uh-huh. My, I, I have a Hoya. Somebody gave me a Hoya. Mm-hmm. And my last Hoya was in uh, hydroponics, and I can't get this one to get going. So the whole I, had, mm. I had one that was uh, humongous, had flowers on it all the time, and uh, was a real conversation piece. Hmm. And when and you I'm missing it. when you say it, it was growing hydroponically, you mean it was growing in a in a jar of water? No, no. I had the uh, beads that oh. hold the water. Okay. The, uh, um, the they were. Beads, yep. and and you put the, the the plant in among the beads, and the the roots would grow around the beads, and right. you just fill it full of water, and it huh. kept it moist. So, and what, and that one you had that for a long, long time. It sounds like, and it was super happy, and then something happened to it. I had to move, and I couldn't carry it. Oh yeah, <laughs> so I left it where it was. Aww. I'm very tempted to go back and. <laughs> Give it back. Okay, well, um, so so somebody gave you a hoya, and it's growing in a pot of soil, and you took it yeah. out of the pot of soil, and you washed the soil off the roots, and then you attempted to set it up like your other one was. But... No, I haven't done that yet. Okay. I don't know where to find <clears throat> these beads anymore. Hmm. All right, well, here's the thing. 
if, if the Hoya you have right now is growing in a pot of soil, I would be inclined to leave it in the pot of soil, just put it in a very sunny location and only water it when it's dry. And you will find that it will grow very happily and it will flower and it'll just be a great plant. If you want, um, if you really want to do have it grow like the other one was, then what what I would do is I would take a cutting off of your existing hoya that's in the pot of soil, or cutting or two, you know, take a few cuttings, and then take those cuttings, put them into a jar of water, get some roots growing on the cuttings. Meanwhile. Uh, I think if you went to a store like Michael's, you would, you know, Michael's craft store or any store that, uh, any um, store that has kind of, a florist might have it as well for flower arranging. Those little beads are, they're called crystal gel, I think. And so you buy them as little dried up, looks like sand. You take them home, you pour the water in and they blow up into being those beads. And they are used in flower arranging quite a lot. So anywhere where there's a florist or florist supplies, you should be able to find the crystal gel beads. But and they will work too? Yeah, yeah, it's the same stuff. But my only point is that the, the plant that's growing in soil right now will not transfer, those roots will not transfer well from a soil environment to a underwater or a bead yeah. environment, yeah. those roots okay. will shrivel up and die, and the plant okay. will die. So you'd have to start some new cuttings and start them in water, and then those ones are the ones that you could then grow in the in a jar with the beads. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Great. Makes Thank sense? You very much. You're very Thank welcome. You, uh, first time caller, Violet, yeah, from Whitby. Yeah, two in a row. Yeah. Uh, 9.30 here on the uh, Garden Show. Hey, you know what? Uh, yes. Last week, as mm-hmm. we were waving bye-bye <laughs> on the lines, we had to leave a couple of people. One being, I believe it's the same person, Nancy in Hagersville. Is that right, Nancy, that you tried to call in last week? Uh, yes, I did. Well, uh, good. Now we got you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I just wondered, um, we have some orchids here that haven't flowered in quite a few months, and just wondered if I could be doing something different with them, or... Are they um, what we call moth orchids or phalaenopsis orchids? Yes. You know? They are. And so they're nice and green. They've got lovely green leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of a window have you got them in? What uh, direction? South window. Too much. Okay. Out of the south window, that's too much light? It's too... We do have shades, though. Okay. And they you usually... You keep them closed during partially the... Partially closed on them most of the time. Yeah, okay. For the afternoon, anyway. Right, because they do not want to be in such a, a hot spot. Um, or, yeah, if you do keep it... Like, they want a bright spot, but they certainly do not need direct sunlight. I find orchids are very happy in an eastern window, even a northern window. Uh, but, you know, right in the window with no shades. So if that works in the southern window with shades, that's fine. But that's that can be a limiting factor if it's too much sun. The trick, have you fertilized them at all? A little bit. Okay. So be consistent with your fertilizing. Use an orchid fertilizer. Some people swear by fertilizing every single time they water their orchids, but they use a weak solution of fertilizer. So if the instructions say, you know, one teaspoon of fertilizer in one liter of water, you make it one teaspoon of fertilizer in two liters of water or, you know, half a teaspoon in one liter so that you're, it's a weak solution. <clears throat> and I you, know this, um, I have Schultz, but it's like half a scoop and it's a very tiny little scoop. Yeah. I know, it's like microscopic amount of fertilizer, but that's okay. And and you make sure your water sits out overnight, at least, mm-hmm. so that it's room temperature. My orchids absolutely adore being dunked right 
into a pail of water so that the entire plant goes into the water and the leaves and pot and everything go right under the water. And they sit sit in that pail of water until all the air bubbles have risen and then the whole plant comes out of the pail, drains in the sink for uh, 10 minutes or so and then back into its regular spot. And I find that that works very, very well to fill all those pore spaces with moisture but also to help um, kind of push out any of the built up gases that are stuck in there in the between the particles of bark, etc., which can be detrimental to the roots. And they have, um, the stems are still there from the old flowers. Like Uh some of them are, they still seem solid, so I didn't know. If they're green, yeah, I know it's interesting though, what to do with flower stems on on this orchid. If the stems are green, I think it's best to just leave them alone. Often you'll get a side branch off of the main and more flowers will come. Uh, if it all starts to turn brown and then black and it follows all the way down right back to the main stem, then you remove and cut the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, those side branches, <clears throat> you'll get smaller flowers than on a single branch. So you don't leave those stems there forever because you'll have smaller and smaller flowers as side branches form off the main flower stem. Right. But, uh, but yeah, just when you're watering, make sure it's a thorough watering, then allow thorough drainage and, you know, the, the bright indirect light, uh, regular room temperature, fertilize consistently with an orchid fertilizer, and you'll find they, they'll do fine. I mean, they sound healthy as plants. It's just a matter of bumping them into flowering. Okay. All right. And they, all plants do take a break between flowering anyway. I mean, you will always have a green orchid in between flowering for a couple of months, three, four, five months. Did okay. you ever um, find out anything on, on the um, rhubarb problem last week? Oh, that's a good question. I think it was um, holes in the rhubarb that somebody called about. You're right. No, I didn't. Uh, from Fort Erie, Beverly. We we have the same problem, but we've had that for years. Sometimes I don't know whether it's as they get older or or the soil condition. I wasn't really sure on what. Yeah, she said that the the uh, the stems were gooey and soft right from the summer into the fall. Holes in the stem, which sounds like an insect, of course, um, and clear, sticky liquid on the surface. Mm. And I know I thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I completely Uh-oh. forgot. <laughs> the, I just wondered. The dog ate oh, my homework. Really, I swear <laughs> I did it. I just don't remember. <laughs> All right, I'm on it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Thank, thank you. you very much. And uh, well, we're speaking of ice problems to the north a little bit. And Robert up in North York has a question with ice in mind. Hi, Robert. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. My, uh, my tulips were just beginning to sprout. Would mm-hmm. they survive the ice storm? Oh, yeah. They're, the leaves were just starting to sprout, right? Yeah. I have all kinds of daffodils, tulips, hyacinths, crocuses, even flowering when the ice hit, but they'll be fine. They're they're amazing. They're very, very good at, at handling low temperatures. And remember, too, we think ice is so that it'll kill plants, but remember, between that layer of ice and the surface of the leaves, there is a microscopic layer of liquid water, and that liquid water is what keeps the leaves from freezing. They'll be fine. Wow. Yeah, and it's all going to melt today and tomorrow. Well, today it's supposed to get sunny. Tomorrow's going to be like 12 degrees. So we're back We're back in spring, I think, by, by midday tomorrow. Thank you. Okay, Thank, thanks for thanks your call. Thanks so much, Robert. Yeah, the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Phone numbers in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Jacques in New Hamburg, welcome to the Garden Show. 
Good morning. morning. Are you a first-time caller, by the way? No, I'm not. I've called before. Okay, good enough. (laughs) I've got some voles or moles in my uh, hostas, and they're just decimating it. What do I do? In your hostas. So, okay, both moles and voles make tunnels under the ground. That's right, and they're eating the roots or whatever. and... Hmm. And you know that for sure? You've caught them in the act? Well, I've caught a couple with a couple of traps. Uh, oh. And they look like little mice with a pointy yeah, nose. Yeah, pointy nose on them, yeah. And, right. and eyes that are so tiny. Right. <clears throat> All right, so the difference between a mole and a vole, or the way I keep them separate, is moles eat uh, insects. Okay. Voles eat vegetation. Okay, so it's probably the voles it's then, probably right? voles. So what do you do? Traps. I've heard there's kind of like a... Uh, uh, for want of a better word, dynamite, that it, it it's, it's really, and, and you just kind of blow them out, or, or at least yeah. it creates uh, an, an, an unfriendly uh, tunnel. Called, arsenic or something, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, sulfur bombs, I think, is what they are. And oh. you, actually, I think you can still get those. The trick, though, if you're going to go that route, is you have to identify all the open exits yeah. and entrances to the tunnels and you have to close everyone off except one yeah, and right. you have to know that they're down there and then you light your little bomb and you shoot it down their little tunnel and then you close it up and then I they guess die. best not to use dynamite it's like a cartoon Frank out there with his push <laughs> pushing the lever on the dynamite <laughs> destroys the entire backyard just to get one but got rid of the mole <laughs> um Okay, uh, leave that with me because you know what? Other than trapping them, right? And for sure, they're eating your um, and they're on the property. You know, it's such a drag once they're on the property. I've seen people do some very fancy things to try and, you know, with underground, you know, electrical currents and all kinds of things to keep them from entering the property. Like it's a Mm -hmm. huge deal. Um, yeah, they can what? be really little devils. I mean, you see little mounds all over the place. You yeah, know? Oh, little mounds, little tracks, and then yeah. little holes all through the garden. And they'll chew. And the thing is that they, you'll know where their tunnels are because everything's dead. Yeah, right. they you know, above. The roots, That's right. They yeah. just chew right through, whether it's your lawn little or your garden. Beggars, yeah. I know. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, like I said, better leave that with me. Other than trapping, I don't know the best way to eliminate voles. Okay. I mean, I remember reading this thing. It's not very nice to see on the radio, but it was all to do with a sharp shovel. Oh. And, um, yeah. yeah, it was basically... Maybe some of our listeners have an answer. You know, yeah. So if you do, uh, by all means, give us a call here and let <clears throat> us know. I appreciate it very much. Okay. 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 Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Thank you. Bye-bye. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. To where you are tuned right now, and Jean in Dundas on the line. Good morning, Jean. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, I My question is, I have a weeping pussy willow, mm-hmm. and I want to know, is it possible to take cuttings off of it and start another one? Oh, yes, very much. Oh, but will it be a weeper is what you're going to say. Well, I have it. I have the weeping pussy willow. Right, but if you I took... want to know if I can... Yes, I guess that's what I'm asking. If or you... can I just um, plant it and I don't care if it grows straight up. I love it. It's beautiful. Yes, very, very easy to take cuttings. <clears throat> you don't even have to do anything fancy. Just take some cuttings, jam the stems into the ground, and they will grow. I mean, willows are amazing. You can't stop them once they start. Really? But... 
as far as I know, it will not be a weeper. It'll grow straight up. I don't care. Okay. It's beautiful. But that's okay. And then it's up to you to decide. I mean, you could turn it into a weeper again. Because remember, if you just stuck a cutting into the ground, you're going to end up with a kind of a, a columnar shrub with a lot of little branches growing off of the main stem. Okay. So eventually you're going to do some, you're going to remove some side branches and then you're going to encourage growth at the top perhaps, or you're going to grow it more as a bushy shrub. But either way, they grow very quickly and they're very easy to grow from cuttings. Is, is there any special place you should plant it or just wherever you like? Wherever you like, but keep in mind that it's going to be a fairly good sized plant, right? They, they grow fast and they grow fairly big. Okay. They love moisture. So if you have an area in your garden that is a little lower or a little moister and a lot of things won't grow there, right. the pussy willows will for sure. And they prefer a bit of sun. You know, they're not going to grow in, in deep shade. Okay, well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you okay, for joining bye-bye. us. You know, uh, Charlie, a lot of people, uh, rather than give a call on the lines here, uh, like to send you a little email. So for folks who want to do that, uh, just jot this email address down for Charlie, okay? It's c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And someone has contacted you with a question in mind. Evelyn Milne sent an email. She's from Hamilton, and she wrote, My oleander produced three seed pods from last year's flowers. They were filled with lots of fluffy seeds, like dandelion seeds. About three weeks ago, I tried planting some in a fine sand mix and kept them moist and warm. So far, nothing has happened. Do they need some time in the fridge first before planting? I thought that was a good question because we are thinking about seeds and many of us are co- have collected seeds from some of our favorite garden plants. And then we say to ourselves, well, I wonder how to make this grow. It's not like it's in a package and we can read the package. So just to answer Evelyn's question about her oleander seeds... A uh, very good idea that she she mentions a fine seed mix, but make sure it's a very well-drained seed mix. Typically, we like to use a cactus soil or even just a regular seeding mix, mm. maybe a little sand or grit in it, just to ensure that it doesn't stay soggy because oleander does not like to be kept soggy. You did exactly right. Sprinkle your seeds on top of the se- of the soil into your seed starting tray or cells or whatever it is you're growing into. Recognize, though, that oleander seeds need light for germination. So you don't actually bury the seeds. You plant them, you sow your seeds right on the surface. You can put a fine, fine little dusting of soil on top, but very little or none. Mist, after you place the seeds on the soil, mist, 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 nice and moist. Place, just like she mentioned, in a warm location. Bright light is good. Um, and uh, expect, you know, regular room temperature, 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 degrees Celsius. Now, here's the kicker. Uh. Oleander seeds can take a minimum of a month to germinate up to a month and a half. Or three months, sorry, up to 90 days. So anywhere from 30 to 90 days before you will see any kind of sprouts off those oleanders. So you've only been waiting three weeks. Don't give up. Be patient. And hopefully, like I said, the seeds are close enough to the surface that they're going to get some light because they do need light to germinate. Okay. And once again, Charlie's email is c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And, Thank you, uh, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. And just around the corner uh, here in the downtown area of Toronto, Jerry on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Good Charlie, morning. I've sent you a number of emails over the years oh. about my cat, my <laughs> bees, the bees, and everything else. <laughs> but thanks to you, uh, my cactus plants lived another winter. Excellent. 
But a uh, question for you. I have this succulent which has overgrown its pot. Mm. Can I repot this time of the year? Perfect time. This yeah. this is the absolute best time to repot any plant that needs repotting. Oh. And you'll know plants need repotting because roots are growing out of the drainage holes in the bottom. Yeah. Well, they're not doing that. It's, the, the, the roots are pretty high to the surface, you okay. know? Okay. Yep. Yep. And sometimes, yeah, the soil is just old and tired and, you know, has like no... Me. <laughs> Sierra cell uh, yeah. has no um, efficacy. Old and tired, the roots don't go very high. Whatever. Yeah. So bigger <laughs> pot, fresh soil. Uh, but this is the best time because the pl- all of our plants are responding to the longer days, yeah. and they are all excited and they're ready to go and they're just bursting with energy. And remember that when we repot, it is stressful for a plant. So it's always nice to provide um, the stress at a time when the plant are most able to handle it, which is now. for me, too, when I repot a plant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, don't worry. Just lay lay out some newspaper, turn the plant on its side, bang it around a bit if you have to, pull the pot off, loosen the roots, or even trim some roots away if there's just lots and lots and too many roots and they're all spiraled and tied up in knots. Trim some away, and then fresh pot, fresh soil, back into place, thorough watering, and make sure you're moist. It's a moist soil that you're planting into. I got this cactus succulent plant stuff. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah. Perfect. Moisten it before you plant, and then water after you plant. Yeah, you guys were talking about this Saracel thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I have this old cat. He's about 23 years old, and his bones aren't quite what he used to be. Yeah. But I called a vet up for medication for pain, because you're talking about Saracel, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I phoned up. I went to saw the vet. I didn't go to see him. I phoned up. Mm-hmm. And my God, you go in there, you take a deep breath, and it costs you 200 bucks. I know. <laughs> I know it's true. So he wants to do an ultrasound. He wants to do blood tests, oh, all that God. kind of stuff before 20... he wants to, uh, you know, prescribe anything for pain. And I asked him, how much does that cost? He said, about 600 yeah. bucks. Huh. Oh, man. So I was thinking about the Cerasil. Yes. Does this stuff really work with yeah. animals? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now, they do have a product for animals. Called Pet Chews. Yeah. But you can just use your regular Cerasil and open up one of the capsules and it's got this little fine mineral powder inside right. and just mix that up with your cat's food yeah. and you will find that your cat will be moving around like a 10 year old really you give yep. it a shot yeah yep. doesn't yeah, work for everybody shot. or for every cat but <laughs> it's worth a try worth a try thank yeah. you guys. thanks okay, for calling thank you thank you hey we're going to take a little trip here near Waterdown. uh there's I'm not sure whether it's a town or a hamlet to be honest with you but Freelton Jill that's where you live hi Jill Hi there. Hello there, Miss Dobbins. Uh, I have a Phalaenopsis orchid. Yeah. And she's produced a baby. Oh. What do I do with it? No, it's up in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. on the end of a stem. Oh, that's so sweet. And it's got two tiny weeny air roots. Yeah. And a little green leaf. And I love her to bits, and I don't know what to do for her. Well, okay, so now you need a little tiny, tiny pot. So, you know, like a one-inch, two-inch, the <laughs> smallest pot you can get. So make sure, though, it is a, you know, a pot with drainage. And orchid bark or moss, what, it, what is your current orchid growing in now? Is it bark? It, it's both uh, a bark, and it also has a bit of, I think it's got a bit of moss with it. Yeah, a bit of sphagnum moss, maybe. Yeah. So, if you can 
uh, mimic what the mother plant is growing in and put that into a little tiny pot. Make sure it's well moistened and into that little pot. Then you get out your little manicure scissors and you, <laughs> you cut that little baby off very carefully and don't let that baby hit the table. you got to have your hand ready to catch it. You don't want to, you know, you got to be very gentle with it because it's just little, it's just so tiny. So cut off that little baby and then transfer it over to the new pot. Just sit it on the surface with the roots just, you know, barely. You don't really cover the roots. You just kind of jiggle it a tiny bit so it sort of is oh, down a tiny bit. Wondered, yeah. And then let it be because it'll take a little while for it to stabilize. And so you don't want to be moving it a lot. Otherwise, it'll be moving around in the pot. So, you know, just turn it every week or so because you want to make sure it's centered in it with its growth. But And it'll just be a slow process to grow it up to be as big as its mother. Much. The, the uh, mother's sleeves look kind of droopy. I think she's had a very bad pregnancy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jill, I, I want you to hold Thank on the you. line because so I'm going to get Sebastian to take down your address. I have a number of new baby announcements at home uh, in my <laughs> card collection. I want to send you a little card congratulating you on your addition <laughs> oh, to the family. Thank you. So, so you hang hang on the line there, would you? <laughs> and we're going to be back with more here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh, we had a call earlier about voles or moles, and so uh, Delane is on the line from Barry uh, with maybe an answer. Hi, Delane. Hello, yeah. Delane. Yeah, I had moles uh, when we just moved into the, our place. The front yard and the backyard were just loaded. Oh, really? Now, I got on the, the computer and uh, looked it up. I did send for something from the States. It's a cylinder that you put in the ground. It takes three batteries. And uh, you, you dig a, a hole the size of the cylinder, and then you put this cylinder in the ground, and it vi- keeps vibrating, and we, that's been three years now, and no moles. Wow. Oh, great. So now, vib- I think that I saw those same things in Rono, mm-hmm. so uh, he might check on there. I think it costs us around $30 okay. from the States. So. Uh- all right. It would be worth his while to check with Rono to see if they have them in there. That, All right. That so is Jacques terrific. hopefully is still listening, and has, that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, so obviously you don't have to do any killing of the animals. Yeah. You don't have to. Just drive no TNT. No, no dynamite. Yeah, no sharp shovels. Uh, no <laughs> the horrible. Road yeah, poisons. Uh, but just, yeah, make it an environment that the animals do not want to live in. And so scared them right away. So great. Well, thanks for that suggestion. Okay, uh, we have. Um, I, I appreciate those uh, bits of advice there, Elaine mm-hmm. in Barry. Um, one final car that we can get into here is uh, Edith in Downsview. Good morning, Edith. Good morning. Morning. I called you in the summer. I had bought a hibiscus in Metro, yeah. and the flowers on it were as big as soup bowls. Mm. And I have it in a south window, and it like. Lost, lost everything, but now it's it came back again. Although some branches I've nothing on, I guess they're dead. And now there, there were little flowers. 
They were only about an inch, but now they're about three inches. And one's just opened up today. Mm. Should I give it some fertilizer? Okay, just to be clear, remember when you said that the when you first got it, the flowers were huge, like soup bowls? Yeah. Are they a tubular-shaped flower, or are they a flat flower? No, they're not flat. Okay. You know why I'm just wondering that there's many kinds of hibiscus, and there's one hibiscus that has huge flowers that oh. is a plant that goes out in our gardens, and it stays. It's a perennial hibiscus that comes up in our gardens every year, and it has really big flowers. Oh. Uh, it's typically called a Dixie Bell hibiscus, and it is a herbaceous perennial. But then there's the tropical hibiscus, which is the one with the tubular-shaped flowers, which needs to stay indoors. So just wanting to clarify that. That that's what it is you've got, that tropical hibiscus. And if so, yes, definitely fertilize. Now's the time. Fertilize, right? Yep. It's time to fertilize all of our garden plants, our house plants now and garden plants in the next month when we get outside. All right. Thanks, Edith. Thank you uh, from uh, Downsview. And uh, by golly, I, I can't believe it. I looked at the clock and, hey. Where did it go? We're, uh, we're at goodbye time. We are. Um, now, of course, I one final reminder that on your list of things to do today is yes. to turn on your TV at 4.30 this afternoon to catch me in the Garden Wisdom TV show brought to you by WNED for Southern Ontario and Northern New York. And you'll find that on your local PBS station. You got it so you can put a face to this lovely voice oh, that you hear that's every me. Saturday morning. Oh, my God. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm getting, People I'm are getting the business from the guys next door here. So, um, <laughs> Dave's Corner Garage, so I'm Alan Gelman and all the rest. Do yeah. uh, some garden consulting because we're back to garden consulting time of year. Uh, you know, those people need me to come into their gardens and tell them what to do next and she give them notes. She doesn't weed. She does not weed. No, I do not. Things, no. I do a lot of notes for people. I do a lot of sketches for people, but I don't weed. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. You got Thank you, and happy Easter to you. Busy day. Thank you, yeah. Good. We'll be back. All right. Happy Easter to you, too. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.